This is a wee bit of everything. The podcast that explores all things sport and teaching. Hello there and welcome to the A Wee Bit of Everything podcast with your hosts Lewis and Clark. Thanks for coming back to tune in to this week's episode. We really are amazed by all the support we have received from everyone so far. Our partner of the podcast is Premiership Experience who have played a big role in helping us develop. Premiership Experience offer fantastic sports tours within the UK and abroad so be sure to check them out on Twitter at Prem Experience. This is a professional learning platform where we get ideas and insights from like-minded professionals. Our vision is to inspire, to teach and to entertain. So let's get started with this week's episode of A Wee Bit of Everything. Hello there and welcome back to this week's episode of the A Wee Bit of Everything podcast with your hosts Lewis and Clark. Episode 98 this week well, where we interview Kevin Egan who is a former PT of P at Cardinal Newman High School in North Lanarkshire and our good friend Ryan Egan's old man. Kevin recently retired a couple of years ago, having finished in a post as a quality improvement officer for North Lanarkshire Council. So, both looking forward to getting Kevin's insight into PE and his experiences over the years. Um, so, I'm sure you'll be in for an absolute treat tonight. But as always, Clark is going to share his um, insight into kind of what what's to be expected from tonight's episode. Yep. Thank Lewis. Uh, thanks, Stephen. Thank. It's plural. Um, <laughs> Episode 98, we've got a couple of episodes left um, before we get to the 100th episode. And um, I'm just going to, just before I touch on what Kevin's going to speak about in the episode, um, we're looking for some, some someone out there, um, whether it's a, a, another partnership or just someone on their own to take over the podcast from the 100th episode onwards. Um, so if you're listening in or you know anyone who'd be, who'd be interested, then get us on, contact us through Twitter or Instagram um, on our usual channels or give us an email um, if you've got our emails. It'd be great for someone to continue on the Lobo legacy. Um, and then, yeah, take it from there. So tonight we've got Kevin on to the 98th, 98th episode. He's going to speak about his most memorable experiences and toughest challenges in PE. Um, he's going to talk a wee bit about how he's raised attainment as a principal teacher and how he's offered an alternative curriculum um, to his pupils at Cardinal High School. And finally, we're going to touch on what he thinks is a high-quality PE lesson. And then Lewis will finish us off with his, his famous quick-fire quick round. And that'll be, that'll be tonight's episode. So strap yourselves in, and um, I'm looking forward to chatting to Kevin here. Kevin Egan, how are you doing? Welcome to the A Wee Bit of Rutherford podcast. How's things? Great, Clark. Nice to see you and Lewis. Haven't seen you for a while. How are you doing, gents? No, we're good. We're All good. good. I was, um, <laughs> I'm a busy day at work. I'm in the school show, so um, I've, been, I've, I've, been, I've been acting all day. So I'll be a bit more acting on this tonight. And... You're, you're always acting. <laughs> <laughs> acting a <laughs> clown. Well, yes. um, seen the new, new Lanarks back open. You've been, you been back down there. You get your membership. No, or... no, Liam's been down. Liam's oh, been has he? Down. Ah, he's been down of late, you know. But mm. no, I kind of think it's in my bed, you know. I just do yeah. my, my mindset in my bed. <laughs> Stretching. Uh, no down doing your, your treadmill sprints and that. Oh, no, but I miss that. I miss Aye. that, you know, I really do. Um, mm. I, I kind of get stuff set up in the garage. Right. For, for training and what have you, you know, but I do miss um, going down the workhouse. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, I'll get back to it. 
<laughs> sure, sure you will. Um, so, I so we had Ryan Egan on Kev's Kev's son. Uh-huh. So we're kind of towards the start of the podcast. So we're kind of we're going to finish the hundred hundred episodes, Kev. So we've got you on just in the nick of time. So um, <laughs> we're, uh, we're looking forward to chatting with you tonight. So before we get into the main main kind of part of the episode, um, do you want to give us a rundown on your career to date? Sure. Yeah, I was a product of the SSPE in Jordan Hill, which I've heard in previous discussions. You know. Um, so I was 1978 to 82 there. That was the early years. That was the, the first few years of degrees, degree course in PE. So you were coming out um, with, with a degree. And it was also a transition time for PE because they were entering into the start of what was standard grade and certification. And see, at that point, you would have, within the PE profession, some were ready for man in the barricades regarding certification. You know, that mm-hmm. there was no place for certification in PE. It was a practical subject, and, and they would hang themselves out for that, you know. So there was real contention around at that period in time about a certification committee PE. But kind of went out, you know, and, and I think the subject is by far the better for it. Um, in my first year, um, I was in St. Margaret's Nairdry. I was working as a labourer, and I got a phone call in September to go to St. Margaret's in Airdrie and you literally, it was, you know, working as a labourer and then bang, you were dropped into a school the next day and we didn't have anything like the level of preparation that the probation of teachers have got now. So was there no no probation year then? Sorry? Was there not a probation year then? No, it was, no, you you did a year and your PT wrote a report on you, you did another year, another report and then that was you. And literally the level of support, well, Beyond um, your department being around you and, and everything okay and what have you, you went mm-hmm. into a classroom and that was it. The, the door closed and you got on with things. You know, and to this day, 1982, St. Margaret's and Airdrie, Wednesday morning, every Wednesday morning, waking up and thinking, I've got one K2. They're bonkers. <laughs> and not knowing, not having the strategies or anything to deal with other than need to find an answer here. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't this kind of support networks that exist now, you know. Yeah, sometimes you find you find that you're in, kind of thrown in the deep end. That's what I can mm. imagine as a, as a new teacher, and you just have to think on your feet. Oh, very much so, yeah. But, but I mean, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, you know. So mm-hmm. um, it was, it was um, good. It was good. What were the, what, oh, sorry, I was going to say, what were the job opportunities not like then for PE teaching? Was it as competitive or...? Well, well, at that point in time, um, although I didn't get a job at the start of August, uh, things were, what, what appeared, it used to be you finished and you walked into a job. Yeah. And in some, certain cases, you would be offered jobs, you know, quite a few jobs. But I just was coming to a point in time whereby that clearly was drying up. And, and so my first year at St. Margaret's, that started in September as opposed to August. And that was a temporary post, but I was very lucky in that um, one of the members of the department was in guidance and he moved to another school. So I mm. get kept on at St. Margaret's for the year. Then the primary link get cut and that was me. I was up for a move, um, but I was offered Lanark Grammar. You know, the, mm. so I, I was lucky again there, got, got offered the school, there was places available still, but it tightened up after that and, and things started to, you know, people that were coming out no longer could really walk into a job. Um, you kind of had to move around schools and pick up work here and there and such like. So in that regard, I was very lucky. And mm-hmm. in 10 years of learning grammar, and, and 10 happy years, you know, because see that period in your, your teaching career, and I would say this to anyone, enjoy that. 
Enjoy the early years of your teaching when you aren't assuming management responsibilities because it doesn't get any better. Mm -hmm. It's fun time. That's great when you really can just have the kids as your focus and you get in there and survey just you and your teaching and you're not getting called to guidance meetings now. You're not you're not getting PT or faculty head responsibilities. You can just really put into it what you want to put into it. Mm-hmm. And you get that's they're the fun times. They're they mm-hmm. great times, you know. And that's what I recall from Lana Grammar. And at the end of that period, I became an APT, an assistant principal teacher in guidance. And that led to me then getting back to St. Margaret's as a um P, APT in guidance. Yeah, I think I think with a guest on Jim Smart said something similar. Kevin, when he was speaking about the early years and, and having a lot of fun, but he also said you can adapt when you have a family. Um, you maybe you don't have as much time, but then after you know your kids move out and you get into the last kind of ten years, you start to come back up again and really have a really fun time towards the end. Well, I, I, there, there is I, I I agree with that wholly, um, but can I such such is nature. So a lot of PE people. I mean, I remember going out on Saturday mornings and I'd lay them on my back in a backpack on a, you know, a, a, one of the, the sort of baby things, you know. Uh-huh. Many a Saturday morning game, I'd have Liam, uh, there were times I'd Liam and Ryan with me at games and I'd take their bikes and they'd be cycling around the park where I'd get a school game, you know, and things like that. You know? <laughs> just, I just find a way to make it work for you. Oh, yeah, that, uh-huh. that was exactly it, you know. Um, and, and but there, there is a when, when you get family, young family particularly, there is a pressure. You've got to work with uh, to work with one and say, right, I've got a game this this you know, midweek and in the Saturday morning and work together. So it doesn't it's not easy at that stage in your life without a shadow of a doubt. And then things free up, your kids get a wee bit older and, and a wee bit more independent and it comes mm-hmm. back to you. There was like a couple of interesting things um, at St. Margaret's. One guidance is all all consuming. You know, but and it's been mentioned before on on the show. Um, but I would say anyone that's kind of moving on in school in terms of their um, career, that guidance is a good avenue to go through. You know, pupil support's a good avenue to go through because it gives you a whole school perspective. Mm-hmm. And because the tendency is when you don't do that, is that if you go straight to faculty or PT head, you know, you're myopic. It's then just about your subject. And you just think all the time about your subject. Supposed to, when you go through guidance, you realise the issues, the impact on senior management and the whole school running, and, and in other other departments, you know, and the demands mm-hmm. that they have. So it really helped me because after my time at St Margaret's, I then went to Cardinal Newman in '99 to be P and PT there. And uh, that I mean, really sorry, were you doing like people support then in St Margaret's before that? No, just, no. no and and that. That really was a godsend because I moved from guidance back to being PTPE and so I was serving one master then and honestly it was, I've got time here. I don't have kids rattling my door every you know, minute of the day, lunch times, after school, the whole shooting match and, and you time to focus on department, mm-hmm. you know, and so it, it was, that was just, that was the way to do it, you know, because I get the benefit of having the pupil support experience and I could carry that through as a PTPE, but now I really could just focus on my, my subject and taking it forward, you know? Um, and after 18 years at Cardinal Newman, uh, I then went on to become a CIO for North Lanarkshire with responsibility for Motherwell schools. My work partner and I had responsibility for Motherwell schools, the five high schools, the 17 primary schools, and the four ASN schools. And it was a great job. It was a great job. 
and worked with a lot of great head teachers and staff. And, and particularly, see being in and around primary schools, fantastic learning experience. You know, mm -hmm. the brilliant work that goes on there. And um, just really, it was a joy. Really enjoyed it. Um, so do you wish you'd maybe done that a bit earlier? Or would you, would, if well, you to go back, would you maybe done that? Um, I love my job. There's no better job than PE, Clark. Mm -hmm. No better job than, than you know, a PE teacher. You know, yeah. because if you're doing it right, you're out there having fun with the kids. You're mm. out there really lighting up kids and impacting on their life, you know? Um, so, but there kind of came a point with changes in the school and such like that I yep. thought very late in my career, mm, I need to move, I need to move here. Things are changing, you know? And um, it, so I yep. really thought the move was the best thing for me and it worked out for me. I was very fortunate. Um, yeah, it'd have been good to do it earlier. It'd have been, you know, but I was happy. To, you know, I'm a lucky, lucky man that, that I, my 38 years in education and everyone was a gem. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. I, I never had a period where I thought, I'm sick of this. Yeah, you know? Aye, that's a really good place to be in. So, exactly. Yeah. And do you ever see yourself going back in for a bit of supply? Um, <laughs> it was a possibility because my, my sister was a, a a head teacher in a primary school and they're expecting an HMI and so she'd say listen do you fancy coming in and doing a couple of days PE health and well-being and and only because of of her being family I said yeah yeah okay and I could tell who the HMI said things because that's what you did as a CIO you you worked with schools preparing for HMI you sat in an HMI visits and such like you know so I could see that that could be uh, advantageous and um, but beyond that there, there comes a point when you have to resign to yourself. I'm 60. I'm, mm -hmm. You know, 61, 62. No, you've done your time, retire. Yeah. It's for younger people, you know, to step in and, and such like stop mm -hmm. taking their time. But at the time when I retired, North Larkshire had just finished in a kind of six year budget cycle where they had to save £100 million. And in the next three years, they had to save a further £100 million. So you're looking at that. And you could already see the changes and the impact that it's having in schools and their budgets and the cuts and support staff and everything. You're thinking things don't get any better for here. You know, mm. this is a, this is a good time. And so I retired just before COVID. Woohoo! Yeah, you know. Hey, hey. I, I, perfect. I, I feel like like looking back and like looking back to when we were actually allowed to do stuff was like 2019 before we all ended up getting locked down. And then I'm just like, that, it's just like, it feels like two years of. Pretty much nothing. It's madness when you think about it. It's such like a big blank space in your life almost. Uh -huh. That you wouldn't do like your normal stuff. And it was, it's quite bizarre for me because I, I didn't have that experience because I was at home. I was Aye. just in my, what became a new environment, being at yeah. home and training Aye. and doing things mm -hmm. here. You know, so in, in some respects, there was a probably a distinct possibility I would have ended up going back if because one or two friends had got in touch and said, listen, you fancy coming in and helping us out? You know, mm -hmm. I was coming in doing some supply, and eventually I would have buckled to that. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, not because I particularly wanted to, but really, yeah. you know, somebody's asking. I was never one for for saying no. You know, I would always give you a hand. Yeah. So in that respect, that kind of made things easier for me to, to draw a line. Yeah, it was good to get back to normal. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, me and Lewis took a trip to the Man City Villa game last Absolutely. day of the season. So it was good just to get back to normality, wasn't it? And have yeah. an, an overnight trip and. Nah, it was so, so good. Masks weren't really a thing, so uh, it was yeah. good just to get back to normal. Mm. 
I timed it well with that game anyway. But um, right, well, Kevin, thanks for sharing your kind of career to date with us. That was um, obviously had a lot of experience. You've been to a few different schools and had a couple of different roles as well. So my question for you then is to kind of reminisce on your your time as a, a teacher of PE. So what are your kind of most memorable experiences and toughest challenges along the way that kind of stick out in your head? Memorable experiences. There's there's just so many, too many. You know, the extracurricular and the teams and residential trips, school shows, staff activities, curricular achievements, you know, so many. But there's a couple when I was thinking through it that kind of spring to mind. And they spring to mind because there's a, there's a, um, a kind of underlying message behind it. And what, one was when I was at Lanark Grammar and uh, used to be the football rep and take the football teams there. So invariably, wherever we went, we were getting horsed. It was always... We, you know, we weren't a great team. It wasn't about that. It was about them getting the opportunity to represent their school and, and what have you and going to different schools and such like. So we'd go down to Hamilton and get beat 7-0 or something. But in the way back, we started a sing-song. started a sing-song on the bus and the boys were in on it. And one of the boys was having a kind of um, a, a hard time. His girlfriend, you know, the two of them were so-so. Mm, and so we dropped to make careful bank, but we all jumped out the bus and we stood outside their house and we all sang. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Get up into the window, and we're all standing out there giving it. <laughs> so that kind of helped him for that night, you know. Again. Hi, that, but the brilliant. boys all jumped in the bus, and they were buzzing. So the sing song continued up into Lanark, and uh, we got to Lanark, and there was a couple of boys from Carstairs, which is four miles beyond Lanark, as you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, "Listen, guys, I'll just run you out to Carstairs rather than you waiting in the bus." And half the team stayed in the bus to continue with the sing song. <laughs> and the whole thing about it is the next day, it wasn't about the game. It was yeah. about everything else around it. It was about the trip down, the trip back, the sing song, what we did, you know. And there was another, oh, this one is mental. Um, when, and it was again involving Lanner, but it was Cardinal Newman. We were playing Lanner Grammar up at Lanner Racecourse. And so we're driving up the Clyde Valley and kids from Bell Silk, more often than not, they'll go towards Glasgow. They don't often come up uh, the country. Uh, you know? uh, so they're coming up the valley and around the side of the Clyde and everything. They're look at that, look at that place there, look at that, is that orchards? They're just, oh, they're just wrapped up with everything that's going on. But um, as, as we'd left the school, Sean Rooney of St. Johnston Legend thing, yeah. he jumps in the front seat and he's sitting next to me in, in the minibus. And our minibus was a banger. It was an old Volkswagen, you know? And so as John, jumped, John jumps in the seat, the front seat, he takes a massive big handle that we had to use to wind up the, the garage door and he throws it down in the floor. So we're driving up the Clay Valley and we get to Kipfield Bank Bray. And we're going up the Bray and it's becoming apparent that the, the bus is losing power, you know. So I'm dropping the gears and then I'm in a second and we're getting near the top and we're not going to make it. So I've got to drop it into first gear. But first gear in the gearbox in this Volkswagen was where, first, was where second gear is. So I'm pulling it back into what seems like second gear. I can't get it, can't get it. The bus is slowing down. We're about three quarters of Lanark Bray, and it stops. And they're all hooting, they're all screaming, they're all having a, a right there. And I'm having kittens because of the health and safety aspect of this. But we're lucky that there was a parent behind us. So, the parent puts on his hazard warnings and I say, boys, you'll need to get out and push us. I'll need to jumpstart this in second gear. So oh, they're no. loving it. They all get out the bus and they all start pushing us up and on a break. They're one in five hills, you know. So, I suppose that's a warm-up. 
That's exactly <laughs> it. That's before the game. So no <laughs> one that. I'm saying to Bain Bright, see once I get this going, you've all got to run and jump in. It's like a toboggan one, you know? I'm heading up the hill. I can't slow it down. And they're all one by one, even in the side door. The last man, he dives in, he grabs a sliding door, slides it, and slides it off the slider. And it nearly falls out onto the road. And so oh, he's hanging on to it. Somebody else grabs it. The two of them hanging on to it. <laughs> oh my God. I get to the top of the brae. I manage to cross the road without having to stop. And on the main road. And I pull in. And the parent pulls in behind me. And the, the kids are just buckled. They're loving it. Right. I'm just thinking, this is going to cost me my job. And um, the, the parent and I manage to get the door back on. And it's framing. So it's like, and we carry on up. And we go and we play Lanark Grammar and we beat them. And, and at the end of the game, things were getting a wee bit tasty and there was a wee bit, you know, mouthing going on and what have you. So, end of the game, I said, boys, right, straight in the bus, let's go. No, no. <laughs> and then I turned around and there's the bold Sean Rooney standing, waving to the Lanark boys with a big smile on his face, saying, what's the score? And this <laughs> so, Rooney, move. So, he's got a legend in the cabin, you mentioned Rooney. <laughs> the legend is there, but no, you nearly got launched in Lanark, you know. But again, the next day, the whole thing wasn't about the fact that the football game, it was about everything else about it, because the extracurricular experiences are about lifelong memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were lifelong memories, things that they'll never forget. So anytime they ever come to Lanark, they'll say, oh God, I remember coming up this hill. And oh, the no, they'll never forget it. It's all that kind of thing. You know, and there's too many occasions like that. It were about lifelong memories creating for kids, you know. Yeah, it's funny, man. You were worried about the health and safety, and then they're hanging out the bus, hanging on the door. Oh, really? <laughs> it, it reminds me when I used to do the milk. <laughs> the milk man, were you? I've done it. <laughs> Up at half three in the morning before yeah. going to school, falling, oh, asleep, yeah. falling asleep in English and that. <laughs> Mental. You came a long way. Yeah, right. that, that, that's, it's quite a hard question to answer, though, isn't it? Like the most memorable experiences. That's the best one we've had. Because um, no, there's some carnage in there as well with school shows and what have you. But but all of that's um, that's just all part of being PE. I think. Yeah, brilliant. You, it, you know, you contribute. Um, in terms of challenges, the biggest challenge is affecting change. You know, uh, because well, it's, and it's also about understanding who or what you are. Are you proactive or are you reactive? You know, um, for me, I, I realised that I was a proactive person. There was things, if I saw something and I thought, hmm, and I started thinking over it, do you then sit with your thoughts or do you think, no, I'm going to do something about that? You know? Mm-hmm. So I've always been somebody that would gestate on something and then, no, nah, I'm going to do something about it and, and, and go on with it. Um, Whereas others, when, for, for instance, when Curriculum for Excellence came in, we were a school that really fired into that, you know, because we understood that let's get in, making mistakes, be the better for it. And that's always been their kind of mentality. Um, whereas other schools stepped back and they thought, well, let others do it, we'll let them make the mistakes and then we'll glean from them. So mm-hmm. there's no right or wrong in either way. You know, you can, you can argue the toss for them both. But we've always been, I've always certainly been somebody that's being proactive, but when you want to affect change, it's, it's kind of what do the circumstances feasibly allow you to do, you know? And originally for me, my biggest challenge was staffing when I went to in Cardinal Newman because the personalities and the age of, of the staff, they were, they were all highly experienced teachers, you know? And I think I'm coming in and I'm thinking, what about this, what about that? 
and they're thinking, oh, oh, slow down, slow down. We're in a good place, and they were. Um, so it was difficult then, and there was a particularly challenging member of staff who really didn't make it easy for me at all. And I know there'll be a lot of PTs out there and faculty heads out there, and they've got similar issues where some staff just make it hard for you, you know, mm -hmm. and it's kind of always something I struggle with in, in education that we should always be in it for each other, you know, first and foremost. But yeah, I've, always, I've always heard that, like, no. dealing with staff can be tougher than the kids. Oh, really, dear, yeah. yeah. And, and so for, in that regard, you're kind of, you're waiting them out, and, and, mm -hmm. and you're waiting, because you can't really make real change, the real two, two key things to make to making real effective changes, you get the right staff, and I was very fortunate that that came my way, and you have the support of the head teacher, and mm -hmm. I was really fortunate that an Isabel boy, their head teacher, Calvin Newman at that time, she was really quite visionary, and she, her attitude was, if you're delivering for me, I'll invest in your department, and, and I mean, Quite often, there are a few departments that, that deliver or, or invest more in the school than, than PE departments. So we were given, you know, spades to the school, and as we'll, you know, give it our due, was saw us right in terms of, you know, budget and you know opportunities and, and such like that came along, you know, and, and kind of budget plays its part in, in what you're, you're allowed to do. So it always helps if if someone's giving you a wee bit extra and, and such like. So that's kind of. That's the real challenge that you're, you're faced when you become a management person, you know, about putting your ideas in, in, into place and, and, you know, taking things forward and progress. I think, I think it must be frustrating as well, Kev, on the flip side, if you've got the, the staff that's willing to deliver courses, but the head teacher isn't willing oh. to invest in terms of staffing. And uh, then you, that must be frustrating from a, from a faculty, for, a, for a faculty head to be in that position. Absolutely, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm very fortunate that, well, Perhaps I, I saw the writing on the wall with that, and, and that's why I, I may be moved. I'm not sure, um, but I was really fortunate that um, that didn't happen. It didn't happen, but it didn't happen for a reason. It didn't happen because really, what we contributed to the school was massive. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have a choice. So many P departments, they're over and above residential trips. You know, day trips. You know, um, uh, uh, into school shows, they play their part. They're, they're way more than, than just the sum of the PE teacher, you know, mm. um, extracurricular teams, all the rest of it, you know. And so a, a head teacher, a good head teacher worth their salt, really knows that, uh, that, that for the ethos of his school, for everything to be in place, you invest in PE and your, your art and design, drama and music faculties mm -hmm. because, you know, they give a different persona and a, and a wider aspect to school life. You know, other than just academic achievement, other than just being a an exam factory, you know. Yeah. Almost, it's, it's like it gives the kids almost like a kind of identity into it, like the clubs and Absolutely. stuff like that that they can join. Like you see that once we've got extracurricular and that back up and running, like even as much as like getting wee mentions in the bulletin and all that uh, sort of stuff, they start to uh, feel a wee sense of a bit, a bit of pride mm -hmm. about actually going to the uh -huh. school. And if schools were simply about academic uh, academic achievement, how many kids are actually coming out of having a sense a sense of worth? You know, mm -hmm. that's where, you know, the, the other subjects, PE, art design, music, drama and everything, really contribute to the wider ethos of the school in a large way. Mm -hmm. 100%. Right, well, another kind of common thing that's came up in the podcast, Kev, is about PE being the beating heart of our schools. So getting your experience and your kind of view as a, as a former PT, what value does physical education have in our schools 
um, in your opinion, and how can we kind of maximise the time pupils spend in PE to increase their learning opportunities? I think um, I think what value does PE have? Their school massive, colossal, you know. But it really depends on, on you know. But it's down to each individual in terms of PTA faculty head, how they value PE, how do you view PE, what purpose should PE serve? So for me. It was, quite, it was quite unequivocal that PE should be about serving the needs of, of all of the kids in the school by engaging them in an educational experience that's fun and it motivates, inculcates a lifelong engagement for activity and a healthier lifestyle. Um, I know there's a lot of my colleagues for whom it was all about developing skills and, and sporting ability and performance, but that for me was never the driver. That couldn't be the driver for me when I looked at the health statistics and the, the obesity crisis that was coming away when I'm getting back over 15 years ago and we really did massive work to, to kind of look at things and we thought no we're no longer about that we need to have a curriculum that really addresses health first and foremost and puts kids in a better place and um, just now and as, as adults and potential parents to make the right decisions further down the road that's that's what we're about you know so we need to put things in place to deliver that um, and and so that led to us going through a really um, a period of now things were great we didn't even need to make any changes mm -hmm. in, in Colonel Newman you know we're getting plenty of kids into, into our certificate courses and all the rest of it you know and things were going well but we just were a department that would every almost every day would sit down at the end of the day and shoot the breeze you know and a Friday we'd sit to five the back of five sometimes just shooting the breeze about what about that and what about him and what was going on there and what did you think of that it was just a rich time for us, you know, um, young staff and, and you were bouncing ideas off them all the time and, and they, they were keen to pick it up and run with it, you know. Um, so when it comes to how do you maximise time and increase your learning opportunities that you're asking, well, you have to have a curriculum that's fun and it's achievable and it's relevant and it's progressive. You know, you have to have those things in there for, mm. for kids if you want to engage them. So about 15 years ago, we audited our curriculum and we came to a number of conclusions. And, and the, the first thing was a BGE needed a complete overhaul. It was the traditional BGE, it was the traditional first and second year courses, running the mill, badminton, basketball, volleyball, blah, 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 you know. And we just felt that there was probably a gender bias in there. It didn't really know, our, our classes were co-ed. And there was a gender bias there and it favoured the boys, you know, mm -hmm. and, and girls for all that maybe maturation favoured them. Boys would dominate because of testosterone levels and aggression and such like, and so it wasn't easy. And, and what I would always try and do is step back and look at it from a learner's perspective, you know, and think, what's this like in here for them? What's it like in here if you're not a gymnast and you've got six weeks of gymnastics in front of you? Mm -hmm. It's torrid. Or if you don't, don't like basketball. So... Uh, we also felt that there was a content bias that ta favoured talented performers. So content we were giving out, good kids could fly with it. But, I mean, take your badminton lesson where, you know, and, and you're looking across the game hall and you've got six kids at the top and the shuttle's flying to and fro and it kind of just dissipates as you come down to the kids at the bottom who are struggling to hit the shuttle, you mm. know, and, and things like that. And you're just thinking, oh, my must be better ways to, you know, experiences to give them, you know. And, and that, in the early 2000s, actually, was really skewed by certification coming in, you know, mm -hmm. with standard grade and the higher coming in.
because we became driven by preparing first, second, third year kids for standard grade and, and for higher. And, and so it really, it really narrowed the curriculum into the subjects that were done at higher and standard grade became the subjects you worked on in first, second, third, fourth year, you know? And, and we had to get away from that. So we decided to change our S1S2 curriculum to a concept-based approach. And the result of that was, there was a higher level engagement and relevance for all the kids. And the content gave everyone a chance at success. And it minimized the opportunity for learned helplessness. You know, I mean, for, for instance, uh, when it came to, rather than doing badminton, we would do striking and rebounding. And so I would start that with um, just kids using their hand and playing the ball from the hand. And you'd be talking about the principles of striking and rebounding, side on, you know, follow through, following direction and shot, all that kind of thing. And, and then you go to hand bats, and then we go to table tennis bats, and they'd just be playing wee games to keep you up and hitting it to each other and such like. Then we go into table tennis tables and we'd all the targets in the table tennis tables. Have you seen that? The rugby posts, the, uh-huh. all that. And so you were getting a chance to then expand your action then, and you may talk to them about follow through and, you know, a wee bit of spin and, and such like. And then we go from there into the games hall and we would play badminton with uh, table tennis bats in their hand and shuttlecocks and that is so much more a successful game almost every kid was having sustained rallies you know but so that actually put you can still get a good bit of power on the, the right, show right. but, but you're literally within the the, the, the service, oh, no, right. service line yeah that's good so, so the shuttle's not flying all over the place and that's so almost every idea. kid was having great rallies with, with yeah. their partner and so the level of engagement was great and so then we take it from there and we started to increase the length of the lever and talk to them about power and follow through and you know that the sort of length of the lever and the influence of that. So we would have badminton and, and the badminton, four badminton courts, you'd have badminton at the bottom, you'd have the really small badminton rackets, the medium badminton rackets, and then at the top, the top, the long, the normal badminton rackets. Mm-hmm. So they start to get an experience of what the length of the lever does as they play the game. And then you, you have all the questions with them about the level of difficulty and how far is that? Why is that shot going there as opposed to down there when it's not traveling any distance at all? And talk about power and height and flight mm-hmm. and how it all comes about. So mm-hmm. you're talking about all these concepts with the kids. And then I would take it outside and you'd increase lever again, we'd play hockey, but we play 1v1 long shooting. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's because you're talking about follow through, you're talking about transfer yep. weight, you're talking about the, you know, focusing on the ball and all that kind of thing. And, and it would be relegation, so it'd have maybe three kids in, in, a, in a league, and it'd have ten leagues, and if you won your league, you moved up or you moved down, you get relegated, you get promoted. So all, all this movement's going on, and everybody's, you know, full engagement, you know? I always remember that in my, my catfield days when you were the manager, Kev, doing that in the... <laughs> it was a, <laughs> no, it was, it was a heady, heady tennis, heady football. That's to, right, aye, I that's right. Mm-hmm. I used, to, used to like that, it was good. Competitive. It's all based around that, you know. Um, think, things like when it came to athletics, and you would middle distance running. Now, there, that strikes fear into the heart of most kids, you know. But what we would do is um, we would know their bleep test results. So we went out for that, we'd do a warm up, and I would split them into four, say, four groups based on their bleep test results. So you're all running with someone of a similar fitness level to you. But the difference was that I'd, with a 300 meter track so every 30 meters i'd put a cone down and i'd say to each group i'm giving you a stopwatch here and the emphasis was on pacemaking 
And I tell them about pacemaking and, and athletics. And if you look at athletics, how these guys can say, oh, he's just done a 60-second lap there. You know, and it's because they've ran so many times, their legs are like metronomes. I'm explaining this to the kids, that they know that that rhythm means that they will run a 60-second lap, you know, mm -hmm. and kick it down to a 59 or a 62. You know, so I'm explaining this to them. So I'm saying, here's a stopwatch. I want your group, the slowest group, to run 12 seconds between each marker, right? The challenge is to be on time all the way around to your markers. Mm -hmm. And then the second group, you're 10 seconds, you're nine seconds, and the fast the kids that were in the bleep test, the fit ones, you're eight seconds. That's your challenge. And, and so you would all- How many, how many markers? Uh, 10 markers, so it was 10, markers. Markers, 10 markers. So it was really like easy for them. Class. It was all broken down, you know, um, mm -hmm. for them to do. That's good. And so you, I would get them to do four of those. So you've got them to run nearly 1,500 meters, but including their warm up, you know, um, without them thinking about it, without them thinking about, you know, how much running they've done and everything, because a lot of them would just build. Um, and, and it's really good. And, and then I would take the stopwatch off them. I said, right, the challenge now is I want you to run that. And it, the winner is the team that comes in closest to their designated sure. team. Yeah. It's not the, 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 the good runners, the fast runners, getting the glory all the time. Mm -hmm. And invariably, it was always about the slowest group, the second slowest group that won it because they were quite disciplined and, and, and they, they, they just had got the rhythm of it, and, yeah. and, you know? And so I would get them to run, you know, six laps of the track, and, and they, every time they stopped, I would take the chance. Your rest period is staying within your training zone, so you get a chance to talk to them about the training zone, you know? And so they'd be, they'd be having, wearing heart rate monitors, and it'd be a case, right, you're, you're close to the bottom of your training zone, we're going to start again, ready, go. And they go off for the stopwatch. And it was quite a fascinating thing to watch as well, because see amongst the, the, the fast group, the competitive element snuck in and you want you people that couldn't run to the stopwatch because they wanted to be first and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So invariably, the, the fastest group never won the final challenge. The final challenge was always, right, this is the one that matters. The price is now, it's the team that comes in, bang on their time or closer to their time. Mm -hmm. There's never... The, the really talented kids, you know. Yeah, that's interesting. Would you, would you always do a bleep test before the athletics? Is that how you would well, know we, the results? Um, Jules had mentioned to you about we had a health and wellbeing course. So we'd always start the year doing fitness tests. So you always had that. And we would do it as part of the kind of athletics as well. Um, so we had that information. So we knew, mm -hmm. you know, where the kids stood in, in terms of their levels of fitness. And they, because you don't want to embarrass them. You know, and, and that was one way. And you know, the thing about it was, and we're talking about that, that sort of slow group being, you know, a lot of these kids in there and all this there. Next to no one walked. Mm -hmm. They all ran, because the pace was achievable. Yeah. They all ran at the pace. Right. Much it's such a simple idea as well, isn't it? Like, that's brilliant. Right. I'm just taking, taking notes of that there. That's such a good... Right. A, a good lesson idea, isn't it? To get Sometimes. them to that success. Honestly, it was one of the, the lessons in the year that I used to really quite enjoy because I knew that if you said middle distance running, I rate. Mm -hmm. Aye. <laughs> you know, what's going on in their head? Yeah. That's not for me, you know? And so you, you were conning them. You were conning mm -hmm. them. This mm -hmm. is about pace This isn't about the distance you're running. So at the end, and we, we may finish off the lesson by saying, right, here's the, here's the world record. Um, and we might put one, one person on each of the 10 markers 
and say, right, it's a really one touches two, two touches three, let's see if we can beat the world record. Mm-hmm. So the, the kids finishing that challenge, you know, mm-hmm. and so they're, they're sprinting it all the way around. Yeah, you're the world record. <laughs> it gives them an appreciation of, of how hard. I, you know, yeah, how and and all the rest of it. So you're getting kids to to run without thinking about it. You know, because you're changing the, the focus of their attention. You know, brilliant stuff. You know, was it? You know how the how things changed in in the um, S one two curriculum. That this concept based approach really really worked. And, and we, and I mean. Some hilarious times in there because we do games like Raid the Castle and Kabaddi. Have you ever played Kabaddi? With Kabaddi the that's like professional <laughs> tig, isn't it? Right. Oh, Kabaddi's yeah. hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah. You know, and, and, and dodgeball and ultimate frisbee. And it's kind of, and, and dodgeball, we play dodgeball, but we, 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 part of a block on um, sort of, uh, what you call it, and rebound, striking and rebounding. And so uh, you then modify the game and say, right, listen, um, this time rather than catch the ball and putting that player out, See if you can bump the ball up in the air and, and one of your teammates can catch the ball, then that puts out the whole team. So you put in a wee change of the, the rules in there because mm. the next phase of that is we then went on to play volleyball. And so you were making a kind of transition from and volleyball and the volleyball that you're going to play where they, they to bump the ball in the air, you know, play a dig pass and, and such like, you know. And so you were doing wee things like that just to kind of link the learning. Um, so it was really good, but kind of the, one of the reasons behind that was that I remember when I when I was doing, I kind of think I'm reasonably creative in my thinking. But I remember sitting in art in first and second year when I was a pupil, and it was all about drawing. And I was sitting there, and I wasn't a stick drawer, stick man, a stick man, you know. I could draw, but I wasn't a great drawer, you know. And so I just used to think, is this art? So I was never engaged in it, I never mm-hmm. felt as if I could achieve in it, you know, but um, I really, that experience kind of spurred me on to think about learners and having to engage them. So once we kind of got the, the concept-based thing going in first and second year, we had to look at our third year, and um, because that was a traditional activities thing again, steering them towards N5, and our uptake was, was good, there was no need to change, but we weren't getting, there was a couple of things, two or three things here, we weren't getting the right type of girls to choose PE, right? Now, what I mean by that is, back in my, my very, after my first year at Cardinal Newman, um, and I was sitting with the head teacher in my link deputy, and I was answering for our results at our stacks meeting, and at the end of it, they said, right, how are you going to get more ones? And just right out of the blue, and I'm sitting there, what? And, uh, well, you buy A-band ones? Right. Uh, more ones and then, oh, for standard grade though for standard grade yeah <clears throat> I said well I'm looking at the coursework and blah, blah 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 and at the end of it they said no you get more girls you get more girls girls get you ones now that was back in 2000 and it was a seed sown you know and and, and it always actually had been um, it kind of chimed anyway with me about girls and PE and equality in PE you know, because at that point in time, it's, you know, and you still actually see shades of it. Um, Yvonne, my wife, who's now a faculty head for art, design, music, and drama, um, she was a, a designer for a knitwear company and, and we're a really successful company. So she designed for Ralph Lauren, Pierre Cardin, Marston Spears, everybody next, you name it, she designed for them, you know. And every Christmas and what have you, she'd go, um, Christmas 
do and there'd be 50 men and three women you know and the men would be having a great time and they'd be shooting the breeze with them and then they'd say to her, I bet if you I bet you wish you could go back into this life as a as a as a man. And the woman would say, Well, no, I'd choose to come back as a woman, but with the same rights as you. Mm-hmm. Because life was just different and it really irked me. And she would grin sort of the next day following that, um, just prior to the Christmas holiday, and the, the head managing director would have bottles, cheap bottles of wine sitting there and twenty pound bottles of whiskey. Whiskey's for the men, the wine's for the women, you know? Mm-hmm. So Yvonne would walk in and the manager would say, Yvonne, help yourself with a Christmas bottle. And Yvonne would walk over and lift the whiskey. And his jaw would hit the table. Because <laughs> that was meant for men. And, and I just, and it really just sat with me that that's what life was like for women and it needs to change. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I talk about we weren't getting the right type of girls into PE, we, we weren't getting the high-flying girls that can change the ethos. At that point in time, um, and I don't mean to be derogatory, but a lot of the girls that chose it were often choosing it because it was an easier option. It was practical-based. They weren't going to have to, you know, like English maths or something like that, be logging at a desk and, and all that kind of thing. And so you had elements in your PE classes that weren't driven, weren't, you know, there could be a challenge for you. You know, mm-hmm. the, the ethic, the work ethic wasn't there. Um, and we, we weren't also serving all the pupils and their skills, you know, come back to that. And we weren't doing enough to engage the potentially disenfranchised kids and that P was an option for them in S4, 5 or 6 and beyond. You know, that, that sort of group of kids that just end up, they learned helplessness, you know, no, nah, P, no, not my bag, I'm not interested in it because things haven't, you know, floated their boat early on. And, and so we needed to address that. Um, and, and we felt that when we looked at our kids, they fell into three categories. One was easy, your motivated PE performers. They were your stick on national flyers, your hires. They just, you know, they're easy to cater for. They mm-hmm. were choose PE all the way through. Two, what we identified was that they were lesser performers, but they had real strengths with their communication skills, their leadership qualities, and their organisational skills. You know, the, the wee kid that might not be the best footballer, but oh, he really understands the game and he really knows how to organise mm. things and all the rest of it. Yep. All that kind of stuff. And we really saw a group of kids there that were getting beaten down by the top performers but really had skills that we weren't serving. And the, the, the third group was the potentially disenfranchised between PE wasn't, didn't, you know, wasn't a thing and, and it, it wasn't going to lead to an active lifestyle. And so they could just be lost, you know, lost to activity um, because of negative experience. So what we then did was we created three curricular pathways for them. So the first one was the, the stick on PE pupils, you know, became a performance group. So we created a performance group and we worked, they were going to work hard on a performance so they were going to be top national five and um, four or five kids. The, the middle group, we created a sports education model. So that required the, the class members in that group, they were going to take the warm-ups. They were going to do wee drills sessions in there. You know, mm-hmm. they were going to take responsibility for organising their tournaments and doing refereeing and all that kind of So we were throwing name responsibilities that tapped into their skills as really good communicators and everything, you know. And the third group, that was all about fun activities. So you'd sit down and start and say, right, what do you want to do? You know, here's all the things, and they would write everything on the board. Here's all the things we can do. But the whole essence of it was fun, you know. And, and on a couple of occasions, I had, I had that bottom group 
Was this, was this, on, sorry, Kev, was this, what kind of, like, your group was this? Third year BG, right? Uh-huh. And I had that bottom group on a couple of occasions, and they were brilliant. Now, these are kids that could have thrown you kit issues and all that, any one of the excuses. Next to no kit issues, 100% participation, but actually work ethic was great. And I used to say, the last class I had, um, I used to say, I'd be delighted for anybody to walk into this game store and see you work. You know, mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. what you're doing and what you're producing is, is just fantastic, um, and and they, they, got, they get something out of it. Now, the, the sort of proof of the pudding there was that those kids that could have been lost, 25% of that group went on to choose certification in PE. They went on and were in the department from fourth year all the way through, and a large group of them would come back in S5 or S6 at a later stage to do other things, you know. So that really was a success for us. Um, and it really kind of delivered for us, you know, we, we ended up getting a better uptake of quality female PE performers, and that had a dramatic effect in the class ethos through National Five and higher. You know, dramatic. Um, the, the Big Gordy, this, I'm kind of jumping here, Clark, but you'll understand this. Um, the growth mindset thing came about for us because mm-hmm. Big Gordon Fagan and I had two boys classes in National Five, and um, two female teachers had um, two girls' classes. And at the point we were doing portfolio work, Gordy and I were ripping our hair out because the boys were coming up to us and saying, well, I do. You know, we attitude because they weren't getting their pee. Well, I do. Is that enough? And, and Mel and Laura were coming in and say, the girls are there buzzing. They're saying, Miss, what more can I do? What more can I do here? What else have I got to put in? And there was this distinct difference mm-hmm. between the boys and the girls. And that's because, you know, that was part of the success of getting the right girls into PE. That's really did pay off in that regard. Mm. And that led us elsewhere. The sports ed group, they went forward with confidence and the knowledge they had kind of progressive pathway in S4, 5 and 6 because of the way we then looked at the senior phase. And 25% of the potentially disenfranchised chose National 4, 5 and went on to stay in the department and do other things. Uh, at the end of that kind of period of reshuffle, we'd have four classes opting for M4-5, two boys' classes, two girls' classes, ranging from 100 to 120 kids, you know? Mm-hmm. So it really kind of came good for us. That, that. But what that then led to was you had to look at your senior phase. You had mm-hmm. to make sure you were, you were following through, you know? You ever, you, ever had the, 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 you ever had the situation where you, your subject becomes oversubscribed then in the senior phase and you don't have enough staff to run the courses? Like if you're doing so so well, I mean, like with, with that kind of setup that you've got, um, does that ever happen though? No? no, because we were... I, I, see, see a lot of this kind of thing, Clark, it was made, it was made to happen because we were well-staffed, we had good, relatively good facilities, and uh, we, yeah, the scope, the scope for it then, and yeah. we could deal with it. We could yep. deal with it. it. This changes all of this kind of thing changes if you're a smaller school, mm-hmm. and you, you know, just as you're pointing out, you've got lesser options. You know, we were just maximising the options that were available to us. You know, yep. and, and uh, but in, I mean, what I'm going to say is we have 150 plus in upper school coming in for certification classes. You know, but we were able. In three columns to in working with senior management to make sure that no, right. this happens here, this happens here, this happens here. Yeah, and because we'd have kids coming back, having done higher, and they would be choosing 
Well, I'll, I'll go through kind of what then happened in, in this sort of senior phase. Senior curriculum, the senior phase, yeah. Because again, the first pathway was always easy. That was National 5 into higher. Mm-hmm. So three or four sections there. But the, the difference there was, it was you had to have an A in your National 5, you know? And that was not being elitist. That's simply knowing that the demands of the written work in, national, in higher, you know, if you didn't have an A, then you needed a year to prepare. And we'll, we'll give you a course that will help you there. Um, but that was it. Only A's get through. Um, if you wanted to do higher at that stage, we'd say, no, you're an option two. You're going to do a National Progression Award, play in a sports environment, and that will get you up to speed with written answers and, and uh, essay-type answers. And then in six years, you'll do your higher. Mm-hmm. So you're not losing out. Um, and then the other one for, for the other kids, we had to have a, a, a skills for life and work thing so that we could deliver um, for, our, for our other kids in option three. So we provided a pool lifeguard, a level one badminton coach, SFA foundation level coach, rugby foundation level coach, a higher performance award, referee SFA award, Duke of Edinburgh award. And we worked with our active schools coordinator to try and get the people to, to provide that. But we were lucky. We've got big Michael McCartney department who's a ref, SFA referee. Yep. Michael could do the referees course, you know. And Laura Ferguson could do the pool lifeguard. So we're really kind of looking at way. And what that was about was giving kids uh, who'd come through um, the, the not strictly certificated route, picking up tickets that could give them the opportunity to make money, you know, or, or go into sort of sports centres and such like and work there, you know, or, or even for our, our higher kids who in six years would do that kind of course. If you're a referee, if you've got a referee award and you're a student, well, cheapers, there's no better way of making money than being a referee and going out on a Saturday morning and doing some kids under 10 and 11 games and all the rest of it, you know, and mm-hmm. getting yourself 50 quid in your pocket. Mm-hmm. It's really quite easy, you know, or more yeah. if you want to step up. So it was all kind of designed that way. And, but then the, the other thing about the National Progression Award, the playing a sports environment, the practical element of that was that all the kids involved in that had to get down to RP, uh, RP, associated primary schools and deliver PE to them once a week, you know, from October all the way through to, to April, you know. And for me, that tied in with our health and well-being programme because that was them becoming responsible citizens and effective contributors. And it was about the cycle of they were once in primary school and had Cardinal Newman six years, fifth and six years coming down and teaching them. And it became an aspirational thing that they wanted to be that person as they got up to school mm-hmm. that went mm-hmm. back to the primary and delivered PE. Yeah. So we had that kind of thing going on through our National Progression Awards, you know, that really worked and, and really put primary schools in a good place as well by getting weekly PE delivered, you know. Um, so that, oh, the pathways really offered enough breadth and flexibility that the vast majority of pupils that entered PE and S4 remained in PE, right through mm-hmm. to six, because if they did hire, in six years, they would do NPAs or they would do the whole, some of them would do the NPA and they would also do the other. Because see, if they'll get five hires, why not just give them the free choice of what they want to do, you know? So they would be PA for 10 periods in the week, picking up all these various other accreditations. Mm-hmm. You know? That's a good way for them to get increase their tariff points as Absolutely. well. And, 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 ah, that's right. And that's also your NCQF tariff points, yeah. And they're all sort of getting on there. So you could look at that. Um, I mean, at the, end, at the end of that kind of process, oh, a large amount of kids were staying in PE, you know, 
you could look at your higher presentations and your results, your MPA, your coaching awards, your NCQ Tara points. Um, net effect would be 100 to 120 kids are choosing National 5 every year. Uh, in the early days, with the highest cohort in North Lanarkshire by a long way, such that we get 78 passes in, in one of our higher National 5 classes uh, groups, and that was more than the second school in North Lanarkshire had presentations. Probably. You know? So we really could see that the stats that were shown that were, things are going well for us here, you know. Um, we, we end up with about 70, 80 kids choosing higher over three or four sections. You had two NPA classes, about 50 pupils, you know, could be playing a sports environment invariably, could be exercising fitness leadership in there as well, class of 20. Referees, you'd have 20 in that class, the SFA refereeing course. Duke of Edinburgh, 20 pupils. So in total, 150 plus kids were coming through the department. But the, the kind of biggest success in it all was that if you're looking at that 70 or 80 kids doing higher PE, at least 65% of them were girls. Really? And, and that came about because of the change in the curriculum, but also um, at the same time, we entered into the Fit for Girls initiative, mm -hmm. which was an initiative to try and stem the deterioration in girls' participation rates and, and activity. So we entered into that, and that's what Jules Marciano had explained to you. Um, I kind of, anything that came into the department that was offering me money, that was it, I was on it, right? What, what are they asking for? Okay, I'd write, I'd write a response, you know, draft up, here's the rationale, blah, 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 all the rest there, get it away, get the money, and then turn around to the department and say, right, we've got this money, I now need somebody. They're <laughs> on So Jules and, and Laura Beverson and Mel Clyde, they fit, fit for girls, you know, they were game for that, and they did it through netball. So at the same time as we're boosting the girls through the curriculum, we had this netball, because there was all the boys' football teams in Cabin Newman, but there really wasn't a facility for girls, extracurricular-wise, on a regular mm -hmm. basis. So the netball um, club was established, and it became almost like a leadership group of girls. Started with senior girls, and then they brought in third and fourth year girls, and then they brought in first and second year girls. So it'd be about 60 girls at the end. And they, it was just awe-inspiring, because when you walked in and you saw the quality of the girls, you just thought, dynamite, you know? And indeed, those girls, through the, the Fit for Girls, uh, uh, Fit for Girls initiative uh, and, and through the curriculum, then stayed in PE, certificate PE, whereas you'd have lost a lot of them before. They'd have gone into other subjects, higher Spanish or some such thing, you know, and because they were bright girls, you know, and very able. And so it changed the ethos of the class. And it also started, if I had stayed in Cardinal Newman, my next challenge was to say to the boys, the girls are buying and selling you. You mm -hmm. need to step up. You know, they're outnumbering you in our certification classes. They outdo you in exam results. You know, in terms of leadership, they step up for everything. Whereas boys are quite indifferent, you know, to that mm -hmm. kind of thing. That would have been my next challenge. Mm -hmm. Such was the success of the girls, due mainly to, to having role models in, in our PE, our female PE staff, you know? Yeah. So, so Kevin, um, thanks very much for you know, sharing all that information there. That was really interesting to see how you structured the curriculum. That was obviously one way to kind of raise attainment, um, as you'll know, kind of high quality feedback in there as well. Um, how, how else did you go about if there's any other wee things you'd like to share about raising attainment in, in your department or, or, or as a kind of whole school 
Is there anything else you'd like to can add to it then? Uh, way back at the start of curriculum for excellence, as a boy, the head teacher, threw it out to departments just at a meeting one day. Um, she said, There's an extra period here, it's up for grabs. So, um, if anybody wants to make a pitch for it, put it in tomorrow morning for me. And so, I was on it, and the next morning, I put in a pitch for health and wellbeing that we would take on a health and we'd design a health and wellbeing course starting in first year. And, um, and what I'd done was I designed it such that we, it would also feed into um, there would be literacy in there, numeracy in there, um, and other aspects you know required for um, sort of BGE and such like, um, and meeting the benchmarks. But deep down, I'm choosing that extra period because I know I can use that to really, you know, cement you know the, the really good stuff in PE get a chance to speak about training zones, get a chance to talk to them about um, ways to exercise and all that kind of thing. So I was, you know, acutely um, using health and wellbeing as also a vehicle for embedding good PE knowledge and understanding, you know, and, and that's kind of what came to pass. So that was like giving us an extra period when not all of those periods would be spent in, in class. So when it came to, it, there was a kind of logic to the health and wellbeing for me because what I said was, at the start of the year, we'd start with um, fitness tests. So that can be quite the norm in, in PE departments, you know, you do that kind of thing. But what then happens is you put the kids into basketball and away you go in the fitness test and things lost. So after the fitness test, we say, right, what was that all about? Why did we do that? What should we learn from that? So you get a chance to tell them what that was, what the fitness tests actually were telling them about themselves, mm -hmm. you know? And at the same time, we would, We'd create graphs and everything, team up with maths, and they would do graphs and, and, and you know, all the results and all that kind of thing. And um, that then we'd, we'd say, so when, once we know what our level of fitness and everything, how does that affect us? And we'd start to, to talk about confidence, self esteem, anxiety, how, it has a, how exercise has an impact on our mental health. Mm -hmm. We'd talk about that, and that would kind of lead into. Uh, as we're approaching the Christmas Kayleys and so we'd start to talk about our social interaction and how we want to behave uh, when we're getting into the Kayleys and everything, how we treat each other with respect and that takes us up to Christmas. After Christmas, we, after a period of self-indulgence, we talk about nutrition, you know, and, and, and you know, cal calories in, calories out, hidden fats and sugars, that kind of thing. We'd team up with homeekies and they would, uh, they would make a bowl of a special pasta with the kids that was 250 calories. The kids would come down to PM and say, right, we've just had 250 calories. Let's see what we have to do to burn that off. We put them into teams, put them on their own machines, and for 20, 25 minutes, they would burst their gut mm -hmm. to reach 250 calories in their own machines. And then we'd say, do you understand about how difficult it is? So let's think more you know, wisely about what we're eating and, and what we have to do. Um, we'd talk to science and they would do experiments showing them uh, a calorific burn-off of certain foods, crisps and all the rest of it, and what's left behind when they do the, cal the calorie burn-off, um, which was something that I remember doing in 1973 in, in my own science class. And I, I said to science, would you mind doing this lesson for us? So we're linking with all the other subjects, but also embedding a lot of PE knowledge, you know, to develop kids. We go from there into... Right, so we know all this about you know calorie in, calorie out, and, and uh, energy. So how do we 
burn energy. So we take them out and I'd just take them out and we'd start walking around the astrograss and everything with heart rate monitors. And, and I'd point out to them that within the class, for quite a number of kids, walking actually was a, a means of fitness training for them. They didn't need to do the thing that they maybe hated the thought of, get out running, because we'd look at their heart rate and we'd talk about training zone. And we'd say, you six are already in your training zone. You're close mm-hmm. to it, you know? And, and we'd bring them back to our bleak test scores and everything, and we'd get a chance to talk about why is his heart rate not there and all that. Mm-hmm. You know? And then at the end of that sort of health and well-being course, we'd do an evaluation of it where all the kids chose the best part of the course that they liked. And they, they and a partner had to do a presentation, presented in their classes. Their class chose the best presentation and made an inter-house where all the top presentations were made at an inter-house health and well-being event. And we did all the fitness tests, house against house and all the rest of it. And in between the presentations and, and different things. And it just, that was something that was golden. It was mm-hmm. golden. You know, now, did that just run in first year then for the first uh, well, year? Well, after, after um, the first year, as we'll say, right, well, we're rolling with that. So we ended up doing it second year and third year. So we just built on the similar themes, mm-hmm. only we developed them, you know, for age and stage. And, yep. and, um, and just, and, 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 and so as you're getting towards third year, we really get into more, they were looking at their own training programs and starting to do that kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, that was an opportunity, but listen, there was a lot of work to that. So, because I used to say to other teachers, you know, have you ever thought about this? There's time available through Curriculum for Excellence. You, for me, if there was time available, you grab it. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that PE should be the drivers of health and well-being, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but other departments probably had enough on their plate or thought, oh, no, too much working on there, you know. Just, Is that just one period of the week, the health and wellbeing? One just... period of the week, yeah. Mm-hmm. First, second, third year. So they got so an extra period of pee. Huh? They almost got an extra period of pee then. So Absolutely. it was like three, three periods Absolutely. almost. Mm-hmm. Well, something that's running in, in our school for the first time this year. It's like a, well, it says it's like S1 elective and S2 elective on the the timetable so I think it's what it's going to be is a, a health and wellbeing class because there was extra time on the timetable so um, our department's taking it. So, mm-hmm. Um, some, some good ideas in there to get to get started with that. Yeah, but see that willingness to kind of involve yourself in things like that. The, the spin-off is that we did IDLS3 team building. You know, we did a wee insert, you know, every <clears> single <throat> rotation, and it would made it on team building challenges. Hilarious stuff. Mm-hmm. And it meant you were out of the PE department, so you're a different person. You get a chance to have a different interaction with the kids, you know. And, and I would say that the staff, listen, we're not just PE teachers, we're educators of children. So mm-hmm. assuming we're out in PSE or RE or, you know, IDL, we're giving it a lot. We're not one of these teachers that, PSE, forget it, um, you know, that's no me. You know, for me, that was an opportunity to tell them about, when I used to work in a pub, my family pub, so I'd tell them about things that happened in the pub. I'd tell them about things that happened in other schools, about, you know, pupils, this, that, and the next thing. Tell them life stories. Mm-hmm. Because that's, you really can influence kids, I believe, you know, so you take mm-hmm. the opportunity. That's, be- I, that's what I used to love at school, is when you ended up getting your teacher, like maybe in classes like PFC, <laughs> and you'd get them going off on a tangent and just tell them the story. Need, so we didn't need to work on it. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> those, but the stories were good, though. Like, I will in practice. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> I know, I've seen the kids try to use that one on me, just get me talking about the, the, football, for the, week, the, the football for the weekend. Um, 
But um, right, Kev, last make, last question of the main part of the episode. We can usually finish with this for most of our guests. Uh, lastly, then, in your opinion, what what would make a high quality PE lesson in your eyes? Um, beyond this, uh, this uh, success criteria and all that being defined, it's to walk into a class and see kids running around with a smile on their face, loving it. You know, to be fully engaged in the yep. PE, with the contents there, it's got pace in it. You know, it's changing, it's keeping them motivated. You know, it's almost a visual thing, Clark. And right. I, I used to enjoy when we'd professional teachers in, um, you know, doing the, the lesson observations, because quite often you'd see that, you know, you get a chance just to sit and watch kids and, and really just loving what they were doing, you know, mm. with smiles on their faces. So it would be about the nature of the activity, the, the, the content, the levels of motivation, and the smile on the faces, and, and the level of enthusiasm from, from the teacher, you know? Um, yeah, you, so would you say you could kind of tell that quite quickly then when you walk into a lesson? Aye. Yeah, aye. Aye, you get, yeah, you yeah, can you get, you get that feeling, don't you? Well, uh, you, you, look, you get the vibe, you know, mm. you, you see it. And, and of course, you, you see the opposite as well, where you can walk in and think, oh, don't care for what's happening here, you know? Mm. Actually, seeing PE, Quite often I'd sit in my room and I'd hear the noise coming from the gym and think, I think I need to get in there. You know, you just wouldn't like the, the kind of tone of what was going on. Yeah. You know, I used to say to staff, listen, it's your job for the kids to come in and out that door with a smile on their face. If there's any falling out to be done, that's mine. You know, for you, it's all about relationships. You keep them good. And I don't want to fall out them, but I'll draw the line for you, you know. Yeah. Um, and kind of, you need that. You need, you need to have rigour as well, you know, mm. people are, are, are establishing the, the ground, ground rules for kids, you know, kids prefer it as well. Yeah, definitely. But there was one, one last thing that, I mean, all that kind of uh, stuff that we did and everything. In 2010, the school get a HMI and they get five out of six excellence. And that, that was the old HMI. And that was really doing it as well, Boyd and her vision. As a head teacher, she really was visionary. But in 2016, six years later, we got another HMI in the, under the new system and we get four goods. But at the end of it, the lead HMI uh, requested that uh, it be made known that the PE department at Cardinal Newman makes a significant impact on the lives of the young people of Cardinal Newman. You know, and it's not something that is readily done by HMI, you know, mm. and so that was validation for all the hard work, you mm. know, that there, you can look at the figures, this, that, and the next thing, but that, that it was recognised and that the kids took the time to let HMI know that clearly as well, you know, so it was uh, a lot of hard work in the party, all the staff, but, but, and you wouldn't have it any other way, but at least someone came around and patting them back for it, you know, which was well deserved in their part. I think that's important in education as well, to recognise the work, even like, like, like all the way down the system, from teaching to student teachers all the way up. To, really? Uh -huh. yeah. always, always take time to, to go and, um, you know, give people some praise. After mm. a school show, go to the music department, the kids aren't involved. That was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, always, you know, you go and pat somebody in the back. Because it goes, it, goes a long way. Up. Yeah. Mm. Aye, definitely. Right, well, Kev, that leads us nicely into the, the final part then, is the, the quick fire round of three questions. So, can I, three questions off the top of the head, three quick answers, just whatever comes to your head first, all right? Mm -hmm. Okay, number one, if you could have a giant billboard anywhere, what would it say on it? 
It's all about relationships. Build them, nurture them, value them, because you can be a dream weaver. Mm-hmm. You've got the influence to change kids' lives. Now imagine you're going to be in that job for another 60 years, the period, you know? So imagine <laughs> 60. 16 or 60. I listen to the time. <laughs> Hopefully it's more than yeah, 16. Exactly. <laughs> I know. It'll be 60, you know. <laughs> Hopefully it's <using> government. <laughs> hey, well, but imagine, imagine every year you just tap into one kid with something that you say, be taking them aside and, and always giving them the praise. One kid for the next 60 years, you change 120 lives, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a take on Sir John Jones. Sir John Jones is a motivational speaker and he talks about, uh, I've said Dreamweaver there, I think he calls them dream makers or something like that, but it talks about the role of the teacher. And it is about our capacity to tap into kids, mm-hmm. particularly kids that maybe just need an adult in their life. And it's been proven that one of the significant features in a, a kid that's having difficulties in their life is an adult that that's has, has rigor. Not the, not the teacher that allows them to do anything. Mm-hmm. The teacher that pulls them up. No, you're not doing that. No, no. You know, but, but gives them some form of discipline and, and also because they appreciate that and they need that. Because the life can be chaotic, you know. Mm. So it's about relations. It's all about relationships. Yeah, no, I love that one. I just kind of take the time to tell them why maybe if they did something wrong, why it was wrong, and actually take that bit of effort and what they can maybe do next time. And yeah, and try and discipline them. Skev says, I yeah, definitely. Right then, number two, which people or books have had the biggest influence on your life? There's no, there's no one. It's because it's an, an aging stage. It's you read something at a certain time. But, but over the course of the last few years, there was, um, I think it was Professor Steve Peters, The Chimp Paradox, which mm-hmm. was one of the early books on brain development, you know, and so I, I kind of got it and read it and I thought, oh, I need somebody in the department to read this, you know, mm-hmm. because it, mm-hmm. what it was telling us. And so I put it out there at a DM and this person read it and it was whoosh, straight over their head. <laughs> which, you know, but also... Um, who do you call that? Uh, Matthew Said, really written a good few books, and uh, Carol Dweck, um, Malcolm, uh, what do you call that? Malcolm Gladwell. Matt, Malcolm Gladwell, yeah, all books that just stimulate your thinking, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And Carol Dweck, as you know, Clark led us into looking at growth mindset and yep. building that into the health and well-being curriculum and that kind of thing, you know? So never ever one thing, um, and Sir John Jones, you know, speakers like him, really quite motivational. You take things away from it. So you're always gleaning. But let me tell you this. It disappoints me if you think you're going to stop at 100 because the reason why, um, we, you know, it was never that easy up until recent times to actually be tapped into educational thinking. You are providing a fantastic service doing what you're doing, you know. And if, so if I were teaching just now, I'd be listening to you two because the people that come on and you do this kind of thing, and I've so I've listened to you and I thought, right, I need to get that book. I need to, mm-hmm. that's interesting, you know. That never existed, and, and mm-hmm. so, and, and quite uniquely, you're providing it just now, and there's not many others out there doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, for me, if I were still in education, I'd be tuned into you every week because the ideas and the thought processes that you're throwing out there. So, you're doing a fantastic service. And it can't finish at 100. 
Mm-hmm. We'll be loading them straight to life. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll have a wee chat off the air and see see where we go from here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll see if we can strike a deal. Strike a deal somewhere with some some sponsorship, Kev. And see where we. Was <laughs> <laughs> there any sponsors listening? Have you not gone viral yet? <laughs> I know. That's what I'm Well, I'm thinking this one will take us there, Kev. Once, once it's here, Kev. Is you need to throw in some snippets and maybe like say when you were wearing that stag weekend in Rome, <laughs> throw, throw in some of the snippets of the real Clarkborough, you know, and people are searching <laughs> and it'll go viral. As in, how do you lose your phone three times on the same? <laughs> <laughs> I and still get it back. And expect to have credibility, Clark. Uh, no, 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 the thing is, Kev, I was just, I was just playing, I was just playing it. I was doing it on purpose, you know. I'll just, I'll just leave that there. I'll get, I'll get Ryan to get it in the morning for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all good stuff. And we'll be seated to 200. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, right then, final one, Kev. What top three tips do you give to your teacher listeners right now to improve the quality of their teaching? Um, I would say uh, if you haven't tried and, and do solely held training, you know, have you heard of solely held training? No. Nope. Solely held training. Um, in my CIO position, I became a solid hall trainer. Um, and, and in North Lancashire, the possibility was there for all teachers to do what's called the solid hall approach. And the solid hall approach is about understanding your pupil's behavior. You know, and, and not just about understanding it, it's about seeing the signs and what the signs are telling you and the way that their brain is working. So the first part of solid hall approach is about brain development. So mm-hmm. it tells you all about what's happening in brains, particularly brains from chaotic lifestyles, the, the kind of kid that's going to kick off in school. So it's about understanding that kind of behaviour. Um, and then it's about how you deal with it, you know, and it's kind of, it's got three tenets, um, reciprocity, containment and behaviour management. It talks through those three things, you know, and I'd say any teacher, try to do some solihull, go on a solihull course. Because that, it really sounds a, it sounds a bit like ACs, like understanding. Well, uh, it kind of it came off of it originated from um, uh, midwives and, and sort of low level uh, NHS workers getting into homes mm-hmm. and they started to identify certain things in the behaviour of children and that they're parenting and such like. Yep. And they kind of get developed from there down in Solihull in Birmingham, and it kind of get developed from there. And it was one of the best pieces of CPD that I've ever done, you know. And, and, and you're sitting there and you're getting told about kind of brain development and what this leads to. There's a thing called, we, we young adults, um, called the look away. And it's simply that when maybe a kid's been misbehaving and you're talking to them and they don't give you eye contact and the look away, it's called the, the looking away. And I, I used to pull kids up and say, no, no, you're a young man making eye contact, look at me and, and you're forced them. But the, the, the thing behind look away is that they can't, they're trying to process what you're saying, but their their mind is in such a state of stress and turmoil that they're looking away and tra- and trying to gather their thoughts. And through those kind of um, times I used to have with those kids, I'd, I'd be saying, "No, no, hey, look at me and this, that, and the next thing." And just a lack of understanding of hold yeah. on, right? And it's been said before about behaviour as communication. All behaviour is communication. It's about seeing the signs that's behind it and then the ways to deal with it to prevent things really escalating. Because when I was talking about budget cuts, you know, the only way that we're going to be dealing with behaviour is through the force of our personalities. 
about our relationships. Our relationships with kids is the only method that's going to be out there. You know, at the end of it all, when everything's stripped away, there's not going to be any punitive ways of dealing with kids anymore, you know? It's going to have to come down to, can you tap into them? Mm -hmm. And at some human level, you know? And that's where I think PE are great, you know, and really make great pupil support teachers because we see kids in a different environment, you know, that throws up aggressive moments and different, all different traits and everything that you don't see seated in a classroom. And so I think PE teachers really get um, value when it comes to these kind of things and relationships. Yeah, we probably see it more often in that environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got a far more rounded, holistic understanding of kids. Yeah. You know, because you see so much of their personalities, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just sitting behind the desk all day. Aye. Uh-huh. It, so, see in terms of that, Solly, is it Solly Hull or Solly Hill? Solly Hull. Hull. Right, S-O-L-I-H-U-L-L. And is that just like a, is it like an online course or is it? Um, we, we used to, it used to probably it's new, be yeah. delivered in North Lanarkshire, um, but I think it's probably been hit by the budget cuts. Yeah. Um, I think it'll still get delivered in places. I I contemplated, because, but uh, what you call like lockdown came along, of contacting Edinburgh University and saying, listen, I think you should be delivering this within your course to all trainee teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, but I really think it's of value. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, lockdown came along and, and, and I've let that pass. Slide by. Another thing I'd, I'd say is um, don't be gate, gatekeepers. As teachers, don't be gatekeepers. Um, and by that, what I mean is don't have preconceptions of kids and their ability such that you then deny them ways mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I get taught a lesson a long time ago by a couple of boys back in the early higher days. And what would happen is you'd get thrown about 80 kids into a gym and you'd have to decide who was going to do higher. And there was, so I'm saying, right, you could stand over there, you go there, you go there, you go there. So one class was going to be higher, the others were going to be just performance unit. And I said to two boys who I knew, well, didn't really know, but I'd taught them in RE and I thought they were lazy. Right, you two over there, they weren't getting in the higher class. And as I turned and was dealing with other things, the two of them jumped into the higher class cohort and they kept their heads down. And it was, a bit, it was a big, big class. It was team teaching me another teacher. And it was only about three weeks in that I realised, yeah, a minute, I don't know. You know, but it was too late to do anything then. No, it's like and the same One of the boys, I was using his answers as exemplar answers and structures and strategies. And I thought, what a disgrace. I right. nearly, you know, and he ended up getting a B. The two of them get Bs and higher. And, and, and I, I thought, I need to apologise to them. And then the term came and lost the chance. And I was driving out about two o'clock in the last day of term, driving down the drive, and the two of them were running up the driveway. And they flagged me down and I jumped out. And they said, sir, sir, going to sign my passport. <laughs> we're going on holiday. And I said, I'm so glad I saw you because I need to apologise to you because I got it wrong on you too. And he said, I we know, sir, we know. But hey, everything worked out fine, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was making, good advice. you know, and I've seen other teachers do it and in and, and that way were, no, you must, you must hit a certain standard um, before you can do higher, you know. Mm-hmm. I would think for, for most kids, um, when they get to six years and they want to do higher, uh, and, and the practical performance comes first, you know. Mm-hmm. If, if, if they've got the, the practical ability to, to get a higher level, right, We'll work with you to try and get your written work up to speed. Things yeah. like that. Whereas other people are quite definitive. No, no. If they're not getting this, 
they don't get any yeah. higher. Worst comes to worst, they get the higher performance. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Right, well, that's us rounded off episode 98. We're, we're hoping this goes viral, having Kev Egan on. And then, <laughs> and then just before any of the listeners think I'm giving any more information on what happened in Rome, what, what happens in Rome State? What happens in Rome State? Rome. All right, so, <laughs> before you get excited, so. <laughs> no, listen, thanks, Kev, very much. Hopefully, catch up with you in person uh, soon enough. Um, I really appreciate, appreciate your time tonight and your, your knowledge and tapping into that. That was really useful. Aye, thanks a lot, Kevin, for coming no, on. No, listen, to you're all with us. It's been brilliant. Great you're addition. Doing a real service. You're doing a real service for for um, PE and the teaching community. You really are. Thanks again for joining us in this week's episode of the podcast. We hope you've been able to take something away that you can implement into your practice or life. If you regularly listen to the podcast, then why not leave us a review to let us know how we're doing and where we can perhaps improve. That way we can take action and further develop the Obo podcast. Until next time, we hope you have a fantastic week. Take care.